Uh, I guess I'll get out my Bible just in case, but I don't think I'll need it this time. What in the world is all over my... Ew, David. Your life is just full of surprises today. I know exactly Ooh. what it is. Wait, where is that? Oh, the tuna fish juice. Ugh. Oh, <laughs> oh God. It must have tipped over a little bit in my bag. Good thing you keep it in a box. Right? Now my hand smells like tuna fish. Beautiful. This is all recording. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Tuna fish Bible. What's going on, everyone? My name is Brian Williams, and I am the pastor of Restoration Church in Traverse City, Michigan. Thanks so much for allowing us into your digital life and tuning in to this message. If you'd like to get involved with anything we have going on, you can do so at restorationtc.com. While you're there, you can find out about events, get to know a little bit more about what we believe, and you can also give a donation. Now, we're set up a little different than most in that we have a community account where 100% of your donation goes directly back into the community, both locally and globally. We've partnered with organizations like Freedom Builders here in Traverse City, World Orphans, and Charity Water. We also have an overhead account that helps fund the mission and vision of the church. Our vision is people following Jesus, and our mission is transparency, community, and change. Thanks again for checking out the message. Now let's get to it. All right. Welcome to week two of the cutting room floor, which we decided to name while I was typing out the description last week for it. I decided to name it the cutting room floor, um, which I don't know if that's aptly titled or not, but I like it. We'll keep it. So uh, I'm Brian and with me, as always, for two weeks now is Kelly. Um <laughs> And we're going to dive into this past week's message on uh, the fig tree that didn't produce any fruit, Luke 13, verses 6 through 9. Uh, but this one's also going to be a little bit different because, uh, Kelly, you have some firsthand knowledge of this topic. Correct. So, Unfortunately and yeah, fortunately. Yeah, all of the above. But uh, before we dive into that story... Oh, well, I'll let you take the lead if there was other stuff you wanted to. There's a few things. All right. Um, I was going to start with the introduction of the questions this week where I ask people to think about their typical weekday and weekend and estimate how much time they spend each day on certain activities. And whenever I write something like that, and I'm addressing this now that the word is out that I write the questions. Yeah. Because um, nobody knew for a long time, which is fine. Um, but whenever I write something like that, I'm very cautious because it can come out preachy and judgy. Um, so there's two things that I want to say about that. Number one, most of the things I write about that are from personal experience, which we're going to talk about soon. And the other is my spiritual gift, which is prophecy. So I looked up a succinct definition of that to help people understand what the gift of prophecy actually is. And then some of the weaknesses of a prophet, which is what I'm always aware of. So first of all, a prophet, um, basically their motivation is to apply the word of God to a situation, 
to expose sin, but importantly, to restore relationships with each other, but mostly with God. Yeah, we think of prophet, just to, sorry to cut you off, mm-hmm. but when we think of the word prophet, we think of someone like Old Testament who's going to predict the future. Right. Like, that's what a prophet is. You've got a prophetic gift. That means, that must mean you can, I mean, and that's how it's been kind of... Misunderstood. Uh, yeah, it almost bastardized a little bit, uh, especially with, you know, the... Um, Certain certain churches and and movements that have been done to think of this gift of prophecy as let me tell you what's going on in your life like right. here's what I see in your life almost like a let me get out my crystal ball only the crystal ball is God and it not <laughs> some little tarot cards or something would you agree like that's kind of what it's it's morphed into and I think it's important that you write the definition out. Yeah, that, it has morphed into that, and it's very misunderstood. And I think also some people think some gifts are better than others, mm-hmm. and that's not the case. We're all just gifted the way the Holy Spirit chooses to gift us. Yep. End of story. Um, so here's um, general characteristics, a couple of them. A prophet will call attention to sin and wrong attitudes. A prophet has a God-given ability to sense when compromises are being made. And his nature demands action be taken. Now people are starting to understand me a little better. <laughs> um, for a prophet, any solution that involves compromise is unacceptable. To observe or discern sin and say nothing is of itself sin. Um, prophets often display the spiritual gift of discerning spirits and can discern true motives as, as the Holy Spirit gives divine insight. Um, and there are outspoken, and usually brash. So I'm <laughs> <laughs> just saying. And then what I like about certain spiritual gift tests, and we're going to talk about that more on, in other days, and we've also dealt with that in, in our community groups before. I like spiritual gift tests that not only explain what your spiritual gift is, but gives you your strengths and weaknesses. And here's where this ties into my introduction on this week's questions. Um, because a prophet can be very insensitive and harsh, if not careful, they have little sympathy and little patience with people, and that's a danger. Um, and they can become intolerant and prideful. And they also, I was once known as Killjoy Kelly, they can just <laughs> kind of be seen as kind of gloomy and doomy and always looking for the wrong, and that's not true. But those, those are just things that I'm aware of. Mm. So when I ask people how much time do you spend on social media or movies or whatever. Um, it's, it's just a practical thing for me, but it can come out judgy. Yeah. So when you read these questions, that's where I'm coming from, and I, and I try to always be aware of my weaknesses mm-hmm. with that gift because I, I can be pretty... I think, I think I'm much less intolerant now than I was 10 years ago, and that's kind of the goal, right, to mm-hmm. become more and more like Christ. So. Yeah. 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 Uh. I that's really good, and I think that description um, fits you quite well. Uh, <laughs> you intolerant bigot. <laughs> no. No. I'm just kidding. But I think um, you were talking about uh, what are you doing with your time, and that just reminded me again. Like we like to throw the phrase out all the time of oh, I I just don't have time. Right. I'm, I'm so busy. I just don't have enough time, and I try to stop myself from saying that now to say that I don't have time. Um, I, I can 
because I probably could have time if I really worked on it. The proper response is, I'm not going to make that a priority (laughs) for me, which can sound mean, but in order to keep breathing room, I just said this to uh, somebody that wanted to do another Bible study with me, and I I replied back. I said, "I, I would love to, but in order for me to maintain the breathing room that I have right now, I, I can't put another thing in. Um, I, I could try, but I would have to sacrifice something else in order to do it. Mm-hmm. So people don't like to think about having breathing room and, and time to do the things that you want to do. But man, I see people who don't have breathing room, um, yeah. who don't create that. And it's just, that's just chaos. And I'm not a big fan. Nope. So God's not a God of chaos either. Right. He's a God of order. Right. And so if people are saying, I don't have time to read the Bible, or I don't have time to <laughs> be in a community group, or I don't have time to go to church on Sunday, um, or, or spend time in prayer, or any of that kind of stuff, it's like, uh, your social media says otherwise, number one. <laughs> and number two, uh, you do have time, you just aren't making it a priority. Exactly. And that's a harder truth, right? Because yeah. when we say, I don't have time, we're blaming time. We're blaming the construct of 24 hours in a day. I just don't have the time. But when I say, I don't want to make that a priority, well, now I'm the one at fault. Now I'm the one responsible. And Correct. people don't like taking responsibility too much. No. So enjoy the introduction on this week's questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is a direct result of a choice I made. I was I was thinking about this which reminded me of how old I am because this choice came about 27 years ago hmm. <laughs> when I realized I'll sit and read a Stephen King novel for three or four hours. Um, I love to read. That's one of my favorite things. I can literally just sit and read a novel in a day. Mm-hmm. And and as a result of probably a small group or a sermon from the church I was at at the time, I just one day realized, how is it that I have time to read for pleasure, mm-hmm. you know, three, four hours a day, but can't squeeze in a chapter of scripture, yeah. which is what we just said. It's because I didn't. Right. And it just was like a light bulb for me. And it was like, okay, I love to read and there's nothing wrong with the Stephen King novel. It's just a balance and a choice. Mm-hmm. And so when people ask me if I've seen uh, Yellowstone or Sons of Anarchy or Game of Thrones, I'm like, I have no idea what people are talking about. And I think they think I'm lying. But right. I... I don't watch a lot of TV because I'd rather be doing other things. Yeah. Um, so when I ask you to evaluate how much time you spend on your hobbies, social media, watching TV, time with your family, not related to must-dos like taking kids to sports and stuff and reading your Bible and journaling and stuff, it's a practical lesson, not a judgy lesson. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. All that to say, I'm not judging. <laughs> and And... I've heard it said to, I don't know, I was in a group at some point, and if whoever's listening to this, if you brought that up, like, glad you brought it up, because it gives good conversation. Uh, it shouldn't be a chore to read scripture, because um, the the it was a men's group, and they're like, is it a chore to love your wife? Is it a chore to spend time with your wife? Um and I understand that, uh, and there are seasons of joy um, when it comes to, oh, 
loving my wife and serving my wife. There are seasons of joy, but sometimes it's a chore (laughs) because either I've got something messed up in me or she did something that I just didn't appreciate. And so loving her can be a chore sometimes because we're all human. So I think sometimes studying uh, can be a a chore. I mean, most days I enjoy working out um, and yesterday was one of those days. It was, we record these on Tuesdays typically. So yesterday was Labor Day. Uh, we went to the beach, we cooked a bunch of food and, um, by the time we got home and ate dinner, I really didn't want to work out, but I knew what was good for me. Mm-hmm. And so I decided I was going to work out. I didn't love it. <laughs> I, I kind of labored through it, but I did it and it was healthy for me. And I think all of that ties into making time. Absolutely. And usually if you don't work out, I found this in my regime, um, regimen, <laughs> regime. <laughs> anyway. Like communist or exactly. like <laughs> dictatorship? 47 inappropriate comments just went right through my head that I will keep there. Hmm. Um, but and, and, um, where I train that the theory is, you can come and do it and feel better because you don't want to. And sometimes it's a struggle and it's hard to get through a workout or a training session. Or you can stay home. And most of the time that you're home not training, you're feeling guilty, yep. trying to assuage yourself with all the reasons why you're glad you stayed home when you should just go do what you need to do and be done with it. Yep. Um, and then for, for spiritual purposes and for the story we're going to get into in a few minutes, if you if you aren't, we just read a scripture we were talking about um, what you hear in the dark speak in public. Mm-hmm. If you're not spending time with Jesus, you've got nothing. You've yeah. just got nothing to give. You can't yep. give something you don't have. Yep. You can't share something you don't know. Yep. And it just it just seems so logical. I don't know why we make it such a, a difficult thing. Right. Uh, I was. I think it was a quote from Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Um, who's aging quite well, I might Yeah, I think so. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. He, uh, he talked about working out even when he doesn't want to work out. And he said he puts all of his, all the trouble he had for that day, all of the anxiety that he's got, all the worry that he's got, he loads that onto the barb, like what if he's doing... Um, uh, lifting? Lifting <laughs> weights. <laughs> Bench press, <laughs> or whatever it is that he's doing. Like when he's putting those dumbbells on, it's 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 representing all of that kind of stuff, and then he works it all out mm-hmm. through his workout. And he must have a lot of anxiety or something because <laughs> that guy is ripped. Yes, um, but man, that's almost the same thing when we read scripture. We put all of our anxiety into this, all of our worry, and I'm pointing at the Bible. All of our all of our crap that we've got going on. Uh, and we and we put it in this. We put it into our study, into our reading, so that we can get something out of it. I mean, it's it's Luke thirteen six through nine. I mean, Jesus is talking about um, he's going to see it through for for another year, and he's going to fill it up with a little bit of crap and some stuff that's not going to maybe feel right. Um, but but he's doing it so that he can cultivate fruit out of it and so when we stay true when we remain in him john chapter 15 then that fruit starts to cultivate uh because of of 
his call for us and us responding to the call and digging into scripture and doing it when it even when it doesn't make sense or want to do it. Correct. Which I was thinking about that. I didn't include it in this week's questions. Um, but but the specific question of what crap in your life might God be using to try and get your attention. Yeah. Instead of blaming God for our situation or looking to see whose fault it is, try just a paradigm shift of thinking if you're a follower of Christ. It's like, okay, what is God trying to tell me? Mm-hmm. And that's where we could now, if it's a good time, segue right into my experiences with sure. this. Sure, yeah. Which... Um, are very interesting to me still. <laughs> yeah. May not be to you guys, but it may be. Who knows? Um, but I, I, I became a Christian at the age of nine, which I think I've mentioned before. So it's not like I wasn't a follower of Jesus. Um, so, so seven years ago, I faced my greatest fear, which was what would happen if my husband left. And he did. He left, like, quite abruptly, by the way. Um, and so that set off what I call the dark winter, and that's where I made a lot of discoveries about myself. So um, the first thing was, like, the the world just, it, my world was over. It was shattered. I There was no, I had a friend ask me a few months la- later, do you want to get well? Hmm. And that's taken right from John chapter 5, where Jesus asks the paralytic if he wants to get well. And that question made me very angry, because I did want to get well. I just literally saw no scenario in which I would be well unless my now ex-husband got his crap together and came home. Yeah. How long had you guys been married? We had been married 31 years. Wow. And we came home from church one day and he said he was done. And I said, done what? And he said, done being married. (laughs) And I was like, uh, what? Like literally that's my quote. What? Um, so that started that. And, and literally, he like took his dresser and pillow and clothes and left. Hmm. And he took the pillowcase. And then my sheets didn't match after that. But <laughs> <laughs> a little OCD. So, yeah, he, he just like sprung it on me, which obviously he had been planning. Hmm. I did not see it coming. I find some comfort in the fact that 99.9% of our friends and family didn't see it coming. So it's like, what did I miss? Um, but nobody saw this coming. He, he just left. Um, and everything I say now is my part of the story cause I, he's on his own and it's not my, his isn't my story to tell. So, um, my world fell apart. It was, I was done and I, my job was being phased out. I had never lived alone. I have never supported myself. I had never worked full time in my life mm. at that time. Um, so I had a lot of things to deal with. But when it comes to do I want to get well, I just, I didn't know how. But I had a group of friends around me that were very supportive. And um, they saw me through those first few months, which were bleak. A couple things I did was, well, one thing I did, I I, I even almost forget about this sometimes um, because people who know me now can't, can't fathom it. And I look at pictures of myself from when I was married, and it's shocking. But I weighed 100 pounds more than I do today wow. when he left. Hmm. So obviously I had my own issues. Um, so, you know, I'm, 100, I'm 5'1", weighed 100 pounds more than I weigh today, and, like, didn't know what to do with myself. Hmm. And so this characterized the next five months. 
God, if he doesn't come home, you and I have a problem. Hmm. We have a big problem. Because, and I used all the right Bible verses, you know, God doesn't like divorce. Um, Seek and you'll find. Ask and it'll be given to you. Um, All the good things. So most, I was going through my journals. I like to do that around this time of year because he left at the end of August in 2015. And all of my stuff was all about him using all the scriptures to get him to come home, to get him to see, to get him to come closer to God. And not very much about me, just about he needs to come home or we have a problem. And that shifted in January. I went to a friend's on a retreat, and I call that like my line of demarcation because I spent nine days at a friend's and just studied and prayed and read scripture. And I had been doing Bible studies and devotions and stuff. I feel like I'm losing track, but um, so we'll pause for a second. But at, to get to January, but I had been I had been trying to study, but everything was pointing to again Gary coming home, not me yeah. seeing what was going on. But during that nine day stint, that was such a gift to just detach from everything and focus on what God was trying to say to me as he showed that was the first turning point in this journey. And he showed me that, um, Gary and I both had been wrestling with him. Mm -hmm. And what he showed me that week was I need to wrestle with my stuff before him. And I've shared this in groups before, just in, you know, theory about let's not, let's not wrestle with God. We're going to wrestle with our stuff before God. And so he showed me what that looked like and how do I talk to him about stuff and not at him about stuff. And he also said, Gary's got his thing. We're talking about you, me and you, that he's irrelevant. That's also the week that my friend said, do you want to be well? Mm. And I I was so mad. (laughs) No, I don't want to be well. I want to be miserable forever. Um, so that was a big turning point. Yeah. And that's why I like to talk about um, just the daily quiet time. My life was a mess. I, my brother will say he, he would sit outside my apartment very concerned about me hmm. because my whole world was wrapped up in my marriage. My whole identity was wrapped up in my marriage and in my ex-husband, not, not as a follower. It should have been wrapped up in Jesus right. and Christ. Um, and my relationship with God, and it wasn't. And this is a tricky thing, right? Because um, you uh, you guys were like involved in church. You were on staff at the church mm-hmm. that you were at, uh, and you guys did like marriage. We were marriage stu- mentors. Yeah, you were marriage <laughs> mentors at the church. Yes. And so like from an outsider's perspective, you look at, Kelly and, and, and her husband, and it's like, this is a couple that has it all together. Look at all the stuff yeah. that they're doing. Look at how they're doing ministry. They're in ministry together. They're doing this. They're mentoring other couples. Obviously, they're the ones that have their stuff together. And I, I, I it's, it's just interesting because, especially going back to this parable, um, there, there was even fruit, right? Yes. There was fruit yeah. from it. But for some reason... Uh, this came through um, to 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 grow you even more. Yes. 
is that a fair statement? I mean, not that God gave yeah. you the divorce. He, I, we don't. Right. I'm not gonna. Humans are gonna do what humans are gonna do. Um, right. But it did uh, expose you down to your root. Yes. Which is yes. what's talking here when he says, "Let it alone this year." Verse eight. Let it alone this year also until I dig around it and put on manure. He had to dig it down to the root and then put manure on top of it. I think God will do whatever is necessary to get yeah. our attention. Yeah. And we don't like to think about that. Then we think he's mean. But but there's an upper story going on, and we're living in the lower story. Mm. And his upper story is to get our hearts right with him for eternity. Yeah. Um, and I've had people say to me often, so I'm glad you worded it the way you did, man, it's a good thing Gary left because look at you now. And I don't mean that pridefully. I mean, I've lost 100 pounds. I'm a second-degree black belt in Taekwondo. I have a full-time job and can support myself. I mean, just normal things that some people take for granted I never saw myself doing. Yeah. And and I would always firmly tell people, absolutely not. God cannot contradict himself. God, yes, hates divorce, but we have free will. Mm-hmm. He chose to leave, and that's his journey. Mm-hmm. I didn't want him to leave. That's my journey. And I had to come to terms with that. And so I like the verse, Romans 8, 28, is a verse that I keep at the forefront all the time. And I tell this to everyone who thinks I'm better off, and it's a good thing that I'm divorced because that's not true completely. But God uses all things together for good mm-hmm. for those that love him. Um, so, so once... The bad thing, and, and it was, it's fun. I can talk about it now. I feel sort of detached from it. Um, but anyone who knew me then, I was I was a mess for so many months. But if, if, I, if I put my love, if I love God first and not a person first, he's going to work these things out yep. for good. Yep. And, and anyone listening right now, if you're in a terrible mess and you see no hope and you see no way out and you shut this off, I understand because I had friends try to give me books to read that would encourage me, um, quotes and podcasts, and I and I honestly said, I don't care about other people. I don't want to hear from somebody who looks all good and perfect right now mm. because my life sucks, and I and I just wasn't ready. So if somebody's not ready, that's cool too. Yeah. But for those who are, he, he will take. He will. He will transform your heart because I literally could not say to him, and I'm not, we, we just went through the prophet characteristics. Yeah. I can't lie. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know what I'm going to say, <laughs> sugarcoat things. And I'm not going to say things just because I think I should say them. Mm-hmm. So my, so the song we sang on Sunday where you're going to sing your way out of the valley and yeah. shout my way up to the mountain. Like I literally did that for months. Mm-hmm. Um, and shouting my way up to the mountain was me yelling at God. Mm-hmm. We have a problem. This sucks. This isn't right. You need to fix him and get him home. Like, like, yeah. Those were my prayers. Yeah. Um. And then on days when I was more vulnerable, I had a room set aside in my house that was my uh, Bible room, my God room, I called it. And I would just go in there and sit. And I would sometimes I couldn't talk or or I I would just cry like a baby. Hmm. Um. I couldn't think. I get home from work and just go sit in there and turn on some worship songs and just sing. Yeah. And I can't believe the transformation when when that happens and the peace that you get mm-hmm. and the comfort that you get, even though your circumstances haven't changed. 
So I'm going to fast forward to the end of this part of the story just so we can talk about um, why, why it matters so much to remain. So basically up until this point, everything you thought was going good, you get divorced, your whole world, uh, you're telling a story all about how your life got turned upside down, just like yes. Will Smith in uh, <laughs> Fresh, Fresh Prince, Prince of Bel-Air. Bel-Air. Anyway, you, but you've, you've been up until this point um, in your story. So he's left. It's been a few months. Yes. You're, you're still focused on him and yes. God doing something in him to get him and home. not you. You go on this retreat, mm-hmm. spend nine days. Uh, and somebody says, do you want to get well? And you're upset about it. Yes. Okay. Cause I did, but I didn't know how, right. I didn't see it. Um, and before I left that retreat, I read John chapter five a few times and then I finally saw it. Because in John 5, Jesus asks him, does he want to get well? Mm-hmm. And then almost the very next line is, Jesus healed him. Yep. And the connection I finally made was, Jesus will ask us if we want to get well, and then he'll make us well. Mm. We don't have to do it. We have our responsibility to abide in him and to remain. But he'll, he'll do it. <laughs> yeah. And he did it for me. But I still couldn't say, and I was still married. I still thought it was a midlife crisis. I still thought he'd be home, but my focus shifted. My focus shifted to, I need to wrestle with my stuff before God. What's mm-hmm. what's going on with me and in my heart? And that shifted. That's why I call that my line of demarcation. Everything before that was all him, 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 and what I wanted. And then it was like, okay, God, now what? what's going on with me? And what are you trying to tell me? And that led to one of the funniest things I have ever done. Um, I was having a really bad day a couple months after that because it's it's life. It's a journey. There's ups, there's downs. A particularly bad day, and I was going into my counseling session with one of the wisest people I've ever known, the one who asked me if I wanted to get well. (laughs) I wanted to throat punch her. Um, And she had a friend come in with me. My friend Steph came in with me because it was just bad. So we're we're talking, we're joking, and Lent was going to begin that week. And this is now in the early spring of 2016, seven, seven six months after he left. Um, no divorce papers. He's just out there doing his thing and whatever. So the joke was give him up for Lent. Mm. And so we were laughing, and then we were like, what what would that look like? Well, for me, it looked like, Stop worrying about what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Stop looking at a stupid Facebook page and see it because, <laughs> oh, that was a nightmare. Yeah. Ugh, I won't even, you know, yeah. So just forget about him. And if he comes to your mind, replace it with something, a scripture, a hobby, a something, do something, but no more thinking about him, no more focusing on him, nothing. And we laughed about it and we fleshed it out and I did it. And that was the most profound, life-changing thing I have ever done in my life. Hmm. And that's why I still like to observe Lent every year. I always thought it was a Catholic thing, um, and I was raised Southern Baptist, so I didn't pay attention. Um, So I gave him up for Lent. And then on Good Friday, which is March 25th, 2016, I thought, I'm going to watch The Passion of the Christ. A lot of good things were happening, and I thought... I. I had seen it once, which I thought was enough. Yeah. Um, but I just felt like I wanted to see it. So that morning I was messing around on YouTube and I came across an interview with Jim Caviezel, the actor who plays mm-hmm. Jesus in that movie. Um, 
And it was just an interview. He was at a church, I think, in San Diego or somewhere, and I watched it. And I'm sitting on my couch, and I'm in my apartment, and on the wall across from me is a family picture taken at an uncle's house that my ex-husband was in. There was like eight people. There were like eight people in the picture. Um, And at the end of this interview, it's like the whole atmosphere of my living room changed. And a very clear voice, not audible voice, but very clearly God said to me, And I looked up and I saw the picture and I looked at my ex-husband and he said to me, he is just a man. He's just a man. He's not God. He's just a man. And instantly, all the fear and anxiety that I had experienced actually my entire life, gone. Hmm. It was just gone. And I made a list of things that I brought with me that God said he is. And he is this for all of us, but I, I had put all of this on a human, which is not fair. But God said, I am your Lord. I am your shepherd. I'm your deliverer. I'm your rock. I'm your savior. I'm your healer. I'm your provider. I'm your friend. I'm your protector. I'm your king. I'm your Christ. I'm your leader. I'm your teacher. And I'm your counselor. He's just a man. And that was it. End of story. I I didn't care if if he ever came home again. Hmm. And of course he didn't. But I could finally say and mean, Jesus is first, and whatever happens, happens. And that's why I got the Jehovah Rapha tattoo on my arm with that date, because that day he healed me instantly from all of it. Hmm. And I've never looked back. I've struggled here and there with certain things, um, but not with God, not with his role and my role. In this relationship, we shouldn't put on other people things that they aren't equipped to handle. He's not God. God is. Yeah. So that was the end of the dark winter. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. So it was, you were in that, like what we alluded to with Jesus on the, on the water with Peter, um, in the sermon was Jesus First of all, he sent the disciples out on the boat knowing full well a storm was headed that way because he's God. So he knew the storm was hitting there. Uh, I mean, 31 years when you guys said, I do, God knew. I mean, (laughs) if you want to be a Calvinist or an Armenian, we can (laughs) debate that if you want. But God knew because he knows knows. (laughs) that 31 years later, you were going to be going through this dark winter uh, so he knew the storm that he was sending you into. Uh, he didn't cause a storm. Correct. He, he sent you into the storm. And then there's a moment where you, you look, you're looking at the waves and you're looking at everything and you start sinking and then Jesus pulls you up, walks you back to the boat. But just because you were, you were healed from that doesn't mean the storm just miraculously stopped. Correct. Jesus reached up and rescued Peter, but they still walked through the storm, through the waves, through everything, getting back onto the boat. And I, I don't think we get back on the boat until until we get to heaven. I would agree with that. So yeah. life is a storm that we're going to be walking through. Mm-hmm. Who are you walking through it with? Yes. And are you focused on who you're walking with, or are you focused on the issues that are around you? Now, those can be right. very large issues. Yeah. They can be divorce. They can be a cancer diagnosis. They can be 
death of a loved one. I mean, they're huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, it reveals what you believe when yeah. you're in a crisis, for yep. sure. Mm-hmm. It makes you take a look at your faith. Yep. If you're a follower of Christ, you have to address it. Yep. Am I really following him? Yep. Yeah. Uh, there was a sermon I listened to uh, maybe last week, and they put a mathematical equation on the board, and it said E plus R equals O. Uh, your experience plus your um, response equals the outcome. Mm -hmm. So he was saying, if somebody uh, starts yelling at me on the street, my response will dictate the outcome. I can either say, that was weird, and it's a funny (laughs) story for the rest of the day, or I can come to come to blows with the guy, and that's going to be a completely. I end up in jail. I end up in whatever. Um, <laughs> that's the outcome of that yeah. story. So the experience plus our response, and our response, like you said, is predicated on what we actually believe. Yep. And our response is going to be based off of our belief, not what we say we believe, right? But what we actually believe. Yeah. Yeah. So then I was able to focus on that and not my circumstances. Hmm. And what I find ironic, because I do think God has a sense of humor, it was a year later where I realized, I don't think he's coming back. (laughs) (laughs) And he had um, told me he got papers of divorce and that he would be serving them, you know, have someone serve them to me. Not long after the Good Friday fun. Oh, no, it was during, no, it was after the Good Friday um, healing, and but he never <laughs> never got around to serving them, and they expired. And then I realized, um, okay, I I am now living my faith at another level, and I am putting all my trust in Jesus, and I am not willing to live in limbo. He's not coming back, mm-hmm. and so I I did something I never thought I would do, and I'm the one that actually filed. Wow, um, and I. <laughs> Unfortunate. Well, never mind. I, it was like a week before his mom passed away, which oh, no. is not funny. But you know, I don't. He has free will to do what he's going to mm-hmm. do and not do, and that's not going to dictate what I feel God's calling me to do. Um, and I think that's why people think sometimes can be cold or harsh. But it's like it was time. I felt. Yep. I felt like um, he said. Just let it go. Just it's let them go. My friend calls it detaching with love. That's the mm. um, psychology term for it. Um, but yeah, I ended up filing by November of 2016. That was all final. So that was just a long year and a half. And then I could start building a life. And that kind of, then I started actually getting excited. Like, okay, now I am in charge. No, no longer do I have to hang out with people I really want to hang out with. Yeah, go places I really want to go, and do things I really didn't want to do, which is what the last several years of my marriage was hanging out in bars. And not that there's nothing wrong with that, but like if that's your focus, mm-hmm. I mean, again, hundred pounds overweight tells you I was eating and drinking a lot. Um, I'm in charge. I can do. I can build this life on Christ, who is all of the things I just listed which is a good reason for journaling, which is really the point of the story. Yeah. Um, the point The point of my story and sharing it is all of these things we talk about, journaling, 
studying, meditating, being quiet, reading scripture, listening to God, they're not just things, and, and there's some churches do it, they're not just things you have to do, but they're things you have to do mm-hmm. if you want to have a solid, loving, kind relationship with God. And, and I'm not kidding, when you're in the middle of a panic attack, which I've had countless during that dark winter, and you can say barely, I want your peace that you promise because I, because I knew the scripture and I knew it was a promise and I could claim it in the midst of a terrible panic attack and I did it more than once. When you call out and say, I want your peace, please give me the peace you promised and I want it, boom. Like literally I've experienced this countless times. Within probably a minute or two, you're calm, hmm. you can think straight, and you've got his peace. And experiencing those things are so profound. I don't know why we're shocked when he does what he says he's going to do. Yeah. And Ephesians 3.20 is also another one of my favorites because this, I think, exemplifies my life before and after marriage. Paul is ending the chapter, I think, not the book, but the chapter in his letter to the Ephesians, and he says, Now to him who is able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine, according to his power, Mm -hmm. to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And there's so much in that verse, because I have a pretty good imagination, and I couldn't imagine being well. Yeah. And he did it. Yeah. So why aren't we asking? We have not because we ask not. You said it once in a message not too long ago. Where does God say no? Where does he say he's going to tell us no if we're praying? I prayed for so long, make Gary come home. He didn't say no. It was just probably a dumb prayer, but that's where I was. Mm -hmm. Um, Then my prayers turned to more about my relationship with him. I can't think of anything that I've asked him for that he hasn't given me. Yep. It may not look like what I thought it was going to look like, but he gave me what I asked for. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. There's no, uh, he, his, his promises are always going to be yes with the caveat <laughs> that we are in his will doing what yeah. he calls us to do. Yeah. Now, uh, some of us use it, God, more like a genie. Correct. And try to rub the lamp and try to get a million bucks or like... Or your spouse back. Yeah, or your spouse back. (laughs) I did that for a while. When we are in the center of what God's calling us to be, which is just love him, love people around us, study, I mean, remain in him is is being in the will of God. If we remain in him um, at, at its simplest form, that's what the will of God is. He's going to answer yes when we ask for things like peace. Mm-hmm. when we ask him to calm our fears, when we yes. ask him to do those types of things, he's going to do it because he says he will. Um, yeah. But that doesn't stop you. So your your experience through the divorce and everything, uh, and, and for that long, your, your response could have gone two different ways. Um, you could, well, several different ways probably, <laughs> but you could have become just bitter and stayed bitter uh, because you were bitter at, at, for a while, but you could have stayed bitter mm-hmm. for a long time, and you would probably still be in that cycle today. Mm-hmm. Angry at your husband, ex-husband, angry at the world around you, angry at, uh, heck, it probably would have spiraled to being angry at the church for not doing more to whatever it was. Yeah. And you can just continue, and then you become a victim. And yes. then and then you start playing the victim card, and that happens in 
every area of your life where now you're now now you're you're the victim of divorce you're the victim of the world around you you can't get a job because they whatever they do whatever mm-hmm. they think they're keeping you down or whatever it is like that's a victim mentality and so your finances are a wreck so because of he left and all this so everything in your life is now a victim mentality and that's the outcome of your life you right. just play the victim for the rest of your life or you put in the really hard work of looking at yourself, realizing who you are, asking God to, to change that in you. And now the outcome is where you're at today, which didn't come by easily by any stretch mm-hmm. of the imagination, even after um, that Good Friday. Yeah, that was like the launching point to yeah. get well. Yeah. The, because then the foundation was right. Yep. There was, I'm, there's always going to be work. Yep. Um, yep. And that's when the work could start from the proper point and the proper perspective. Yep. And and we're supposed to build on the foundation of Christ. Right. And I don't know if you've ever gone by a construction site uh, in the middle of summer when it's hot as all get out, but... Typically, the guys working on that construction site after the foundation has been laid, they're probably sweating and they probably (laughs) go home sore at the end of the day because Mm -hmm. of the work that's required to build upon that foundation. Mm -hmm. Man, they're not just sitting sitting back sipping martinis (laughs) and and drinks with the umbrellas in them, watching the entire thing get built on on, on its own. They're putting in the work in order to build on that foundation. And, Mm -hmm. And too many of us are like, Oh God, heal me from this of whatever it is, like fix my situation without ever putting in any sort of effort towards yeah. listening to what he has to say. Which is why I will always, uh, what's a good word to say? Say, I will always say <laughs> that's not going to happen driving your car, listening to a podcast. Yeah. I mean, I think listening to a podcast in your car can be a good thing. But if there's no foundational time of really listening, it's 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 hard to set aside time yep. and be quiet. Yep. And if you have 20 kids or no kids or a cat or five dogs or a full-time job or no job, you can, like we talked about earlier, you can make time for stuff that matters. Mm-hmm. And that's really what it comes down to, what matters. Yeah. Um, Jesus matters to me yeah. more than anything. Yep. Uh, Matthew six thirty three. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. These yep. are promises. These yep. aren't just words. These are promises made to us. Yep. That if we claim them and believe them and live according to them, yeah. Well, our lives look great. Well, my life looked great ten years ago and was right. awful. I don't know what my life looks like now, but I like the life that I've built and yeah. am building. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 you can combine things too i mean um for for instance like it's getting to be it's september which means i mean all the hunters who listen which i'm not one of them but they're counting (laughs) down the days until it's opening day and they can go shoot something with a bow and arrow or with a gun hopefully it's a deer (laughs) um (laughs) but a lot of guys and and women that's their that's their their quiet time. Mm-hmm. They love being in the woods. They'll bring a Bible along with them. They'll study. They'll whatever, which is great. But what are you doing the other nine months of the <laughs> right. year when there is no hunting season? Are you still doing that? Or are you just taking those three months 
couple times a week. So it it's getting the practice of actually getting involved in in reading your your, your Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, spend time in prayer. You can incorporate it into your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I like to go for walks, and oftentimes when I go for a walk, that's when I start processing through some stuff for the sermon coming up, what's going on in life. That's where I can spend time in prayer because it's usually just me because no one likes to walk. And so <laughs> I'll, I'll just go for a walk and I'll just, uh, th- those are the things I think about. Those are the things I pray about. But that's predicated on me studying before that too. Um, so there's there's opportunities. And, and listen to as many podcasts as you can. Like, be filled up with as much as you possibly can. Like, mm-hmm. take all of it. There's so many good resources out there. Listen to sermons constantly if you want to, but be putting these things to practice and be doing this in, in where you can have all of your focus on on Scripture where you're not completely separated out. But. Right. And I, and I would say the one caveat to that is that's that's good, and we're all here to learn from each other. But also recognizing God's voice. Yeah. So it's I I worked in a church. I volunteered in a church as well. And for over twenty years, I was involved. I've been involved in small group type ministries. And one thing that I realized is there's always there's so much curriculum, mm-hmm. and a lot of it it's good is good. And I've learned a lot by taking classes and studying specific curriculum. But it's it's somebody telling me what the Bible says. It's somebody telling me how to read it, which is important. But if you don't recognize God's voice and when he's talking to you, it's not going to make much sense. So getting alone and listening and really paying attention, God speaks to me through music and stuff, but also just, you just know, Mm -hmm. you just know. And, and I don't say that to be snarky or um, cloudy. I say that to give you hope that if you really just get alone, he wants to he wants to be all of these things for us. He's not going to make it hard. We're making it hard yep. by putting all the noise in the way. And that's why I like when you the, when you talked about like all, piling on all the crap. What what crap is keeping you from hearing from God? Yeah. Get rid of it. Yeah. What really matters at the end of the day? Yep. It's our relationship with Christ. Yep. So there you go. Well, <laughs> thanks for uh, sharing your story. You're welcome. I hope it made sense. It did. To me, <laughs> sitting here with you, I'm sure it will to other people. If you have any questions or comments or anything at all, um, you can email me uh, at brian at restorationtc.com. That's B-R-I-A-N, because I spell it the right way. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you have anything you'd like to share, we've got a very, very big Sunday coming up this coming Sunday, September 11th. We're going to be doing pulled pork for lunch. But before that, we've got a lot of things that we're sharing with you guys um, that we're going to be doing this next year. Uh, some changes that we're making, some some huge additions that we're making, uh, and kind of revamping some things. And we're also going to take a look back at what God has done over the last year. But there's a lot to look forward to. And so we encourage you guys to come out, bring a dish to pass if you plan on staying That'll go along with pulled pork or make it completely random. (laughs) I don't care what you bring. But yeah, that's going to be this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Anything else you want to share or add? I can't think of anything. Okay. All right.
Well, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you guys on Sunday. Thanks, Kelly. You're welcome. All right. <laughs> Bye. Yeah.